Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Merry Christmas again. Merry Christmas. I know it's been said a couple times already how this is the last Sunday of 2019. But in addition to that, someone shouted it from up there. It's the last Sunday of the decade. Last week, there was something I mentioned. It's like, imagine for each of us, for us to look at our lives and to make sure we're not in the same place as we were last year to this year. And I'm not talking about your circumstances, because so many different things could change from that. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Where were you in 2018, in December, compared to 2019 in December? Have you grown? And then, of course, how this is the end of this decade. As we go into the next decade, or we're going to see the type of growth we want with God. Because if I would make a poll out of everyone here, like, you know, like if we would take a poll, you would say that you would want to grow in God, right? You want to be closer to him, right? You want to hear his voice more, right? You want to be able to have him go before you in your life and to be a champion. But I think with everything that when we look at our lives, there's certain things that don't get done because of a word that I'm going to say now, which is neglect. Do we neglect certain things? We do, all of us. Even, even right now, like recently I just told Jen, it was like, Jen, I forgot to make a dentist appointment this past year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like all of a sudden when the year ends, you, you start remembering all the things that you neglect that you forget. And for us, just to know, the word neglect means not receiving proper attention and seen as disregarded. So what are other things that we neglect? How, I don't know if I should have people raise hands, but the dentist, right? I'm not the only one, right? How many of us forgot to go to the dentist this year? <laughs> it's like, like, no, you know, I'm going to put la mano para arriba porque me going to pensar que tengo la boca sucia. You know what I mean? Like... So I just pretty much said that um, I'm not going to put my hand up. They're going to think I have a dirty mouth. So it's like the dentist. What about checkup? How many of you have gone for your yearly doctor's checkup? All right, a couple of you guys. What about oil changes in the car? Anyone neglects that? Yeah, your engine is going to get busted. But uh, what, what else? Sometimes they tell us it's so important to change your passwords when it comes to things. How many of us neglect doing that? Some of us, we don't neglect doing that. We do that all the time because we forget the password and they have to email us so we can start the process all over again. How many of you are there with me? Why didn't I start my life when it came to the password thing to have one password for everything? But almost every different account that I have in my life, I have a whole different password. And I almost always forget them. So that's a big problem. What else? Sometimes we forget and we neglect saving money as well. Sometimes we neglect washing our hands. Okay? Let me tell you. Lávanse la mano. Importante. Um, washing our hands, and sometimes, you know something, there's so many different things. Sometimes we neglect cleaning certain areas in our house, okay? Anyone here has a room or a closet? Honestly, up to this day, you're scared to even get close to it because you don't know what's going to come out and bite you. You know what I mean? It's like, 
How many of you have a room or closet in your house that you literally go towards it with a stick and carefully? All right? Raise your hand. Many of you guys. I know I have that room in my house as well. Uh, Jen doesn't even get near it at all. Um, I have a very interesting way to sometimes clear up messes. It's just get everything I see and throw it in the closet <laughs> so Jen can't see it. So when Jen doesn't see it, she thinks it's clean and it's all good. We're good for a while. But then it comes to the point when Jen does her inspection. And when she does her inspection, I get nervous. She's like, let me check the closets. I'm like, Lord, please, please. You are my champion. Let her look the other way. You know, win this battle for me, even though I know you're her champion too. But it's like all of a sudden I get nervous. And when she opens it, then I have to take everything out and organize it. But you get the point. Every single person, and I could get some people in trouble if I would ask spouses, could you, could you tell what the other spouse neglects? You know, forget about it. That's going to open a can, a can of worms. But each of us, we neglect certain things. And as Christians, one of the things that is neglected the most is fasting. Fasting is something that's seen as like a word. It's almost like a curse word. You don't want to say it. It's like fasting. And I think there's going to be an image in the back. It's going to be just a plate. Some of us, the moment you saw this plate, you just got sad. Your heart got sad. It's like you saw that empty plate. It's like it doesn't have pernil there with platano maduro y con gris, or it doesn't have general style chicken. Now you know all the things I love. General style chicken with pork fried rice. It looks so sad, that empty plate. And when it comes to it, we don't want to hear anything about it. But imagine, which I know for sure, if we would incorporate or the majority of Christians would incorporate fasting into their lives, how different would your life be from 2018 to 2019 if you were fasting in certain time periods during this past year? How different would your life be? Imagine stepping into this new decade and making a commitment saying, you know what? Fasting wasn't part of my life because I neglected it, but I'm going to incorporate it. How different will this new decade be in your life by incorporating fasting into it compared to the last decade? Without question, I believe that for all of us, Something that so many times we get caught in being in a routine and we put our Christianity on cruise control. We don't challenge ourselves. We don't push ourselves to go beyond, you could say, the foundational basics to a certain degree, even though this is a foundational basic when it comes to fasting. We just like to go to church on Sunday, read the Bible once in a while, just for our own conscience, just to be able to check off the list that, and convince ourselves, falsely convince ourselves, that we're growing closer to God. But for those of you that are serious, that you truly want to grow closer to God, and you know that you want God to go before you, you want to be able to incorporate fasting into your life. Now, before I tell you a little bit what fasting is, I'm going to tell you what it's not, because I think it's important. Fasting is not your big opportunity to lose weight, okay? Just want to make that um, clear. Some of us are like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Christ Fellowship, we're fasting the first 21 days in January. Los chichos are going to disappear. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, 
No, this isn't your big opportunity to lose weight. Obviously, when you do fast, there are certain benefits from it, but that is not the reason why we fast. Another one, too, fasting is not about simply giving up certain foods. It's not just about giving up certain foods. So, and for us, like you, we might think, all right, I'll give up certain foods. I'll give up liver, eating liver, eating sardines. You know what I mean? Like sacrificing for Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden you'll think of all the things you don't like, and you'll add that to your list and think that you're growing and getting closer to God. Fasting isn't a creative way to save money. You know, maybe you're a parent, and you're like, thank you, Jesus, we're fasting. It's like children, everybody in the house, bread and butter, that's all we're going to have uh, for the 21 days. We have to save money somehow, no eating out or anything, just a nice long Cuban bread, uh, slice it up for every day, and we'll just eat it. No, it's not that. Fasting is not about having a cool conversational topic with others. Some of us just want to say we're fasting so we could tell other people were fasting. It's like, hey, it's like, guess what I'm doing? I'm fasting. And like you want the applause from those that are around you. It's like to cheer you on. It's not about that. It's not so that you could have a cool topic to talk about at work or with your family and friends. And lastly, fasting is not a, isn't about achieving a personal challenge. We might be sitting here thinking, it's like, oh, I would love to do a fast just because I want to, like, conquer that as a personal challenge. If that's, if any of those are your motivations, you're missing the point of what fasting is about. I'm going to give you a definition for fasting. It's going to be behind you. Fasting is when you deny your flesh and expectantly pursue God for a breakthrough. Okay? It should be there. Fasting is when you deny your flesh. You deny what your flesh wants. Okay? You deny what your flesh wants, and it's a sacrifice, and you expectantly pr pursue God for a breakthrough. You want a breakthrough in your life. Like in the Bible, many times, right before there's a mir miracle or where God moves greatly, right before that, a fast was called or somebody was fasting. So before that, you, before you see God move in many cases, fasting was done beforehand. And then I actually have another definition for you too. It's, it's going to be behind you. Fasting is when your heart, mind, spirit, soul and body is crying out in unison, I need you, Lord. It's when all of you is crying out to God, I need you, Lord. And you realize that you're not satisfied where you're at. And for some of us, we've become complacent in our walk with God. And we've convinced ourselves that's okay. But deep down inside, you know that you're not satisfied and that you need God. But what happens is that we need all of us to be united, unison, crying out to God, I need you, Lord. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's happening in your lives today. But I tell you this much, in my life, I need the Lord every single day. I don't wait until things get bad to cry out to God and say, I need you, Lord. I need him every single day day of my life. And the day and moment you feel as though you don't need him, in that point of desperation, just knowing that he's everything to you, 
That's a dangerous place to be. Because you've convinced yourself that your flesh, who you are, you could say, your, your flesh, what you're able to do is sufficient to get you through life. But that's why in fasting you deny your flesh and you expectantly believe God for a breakthrough. You cry out to him with your heart, mind, soul, and body that you need him more than ever before. Is anyone here feeling like that? That you need the Lord? Because every single one of us, we need him, how I said, every single day of our lives. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go over eight biblical reasons why you should fast. Because some of you are here, it's like, look, Carlos, there's no way I'm going to start fasting. I'm not going to incorporate that into my life. And I just want to let you know, if that's your way of thinking, that's not God whispering in your mind and heart. That's the enemy. The enemy would want you not to take your spiritual walk to a higher level. Like for him, it's like if you've already given your life to God and you've given your heart to God, his main thing is to make you, like neutralize you. It's like, okay, I'm going to make you non-effective in God's kingdom. You're going to say that you serve God and your heart is Jesus? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But you know what? I'm going to neutralize you, make you non-effective, um, have no power in your life, you could say, to make, by making you believe that you don't, you don't need to grow closer to God and that you don't need to fast and you don't need to pray. You don't need to worship. You don't need to dive in deeper in God's word. You don't need to be committed in the mission of God. If the enemy gets you to believe those things or gets you to, be, um, to start slipping, little by little you won't realize it, but you're drifting away from God. It's a slow fade to drift away from God. A lot of times it's not quick. Little by little, it just takes one step, one action, one decision. Little by little, your walk is away from God. You know, you're either going forward, chasing after God, or you're going backwards. There's no middle ground. There's no neutrality here, what you could say. You're either chasing after God or you're slipping farther and farther away. So I'm going to give you eight reasons, and there's more reasons than these, but these are eight that we could chew on today. The first one is this, fasting to receive victory over your enemies, whether it's physical or spiritual, okay? Here, I'm going to, uh, anyone here need victory over your enemies? All right, here we see the Israelites fasting before a miraculous victory. We're going to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2 to 3. It says this. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, uh, who was the king, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed the fast for all Judah. So there you see the king. All of a sudden, he hears that there's an army coming to attack him. Okay? So what do you think he, he, he would do normally at first? You would think he would call everybody to get their weapons and to fight from a physical standpoint. But then he does something different. He inquires of the Lord and he proclaims a fast for all of Judah. 
So all of a sudden, he calls a fast because of this army coming. And we're going to skip down to, we're going to skip down to verse 22, and we see what ends up happening here. It says, as they begin to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Now, that verse should be there. Now, who set the ambushes against the men? Who set it? The Lord. So all of a sudden, the Lord was fighting the battle that the Israelites were in. Right now, this moment, you might find yourself in a battle, whatever that battle might be. And here you see a lesson from the king. The king ends up proclaiming a fast. They're praying and seeking the Lord. And it said, the Lord set the ambushes. The Lord was going before them and fighting the battle for them. Sometimes, and really it's all the time, the most powerful thing that you could ever do when it comes to being in a battle is to fall on your knees before God. When you fall on your knees before God and you inquire of him and you fast and you pray and you believe in in, in what he could do. And I love how in verse 22 it starts off, not only did they fast and pray before, it says there in verse 22, as they began to sing and praise. All of a sudden they were singing, praising, focusing on God, And God was fighting the battle for them. And they ended up getting the victory over the enemy. Fasting is powerful. The second biblical reason, we we find it with Daniel. It says, fasting to receive insight and understanding. Each of us, we receive the bulletin as well. If you turn to the back of the bulletin, you have space. You can write down notes if you would want to. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, it says this. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in, okay, no, said the way to in, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes, which is pretty much this, this material made out of goat's hair that they would wear because it was uncomfortable, and they would sit on ashes and put ashes over their head as as well, symbolic of being humble before God, and in some cases because they were grieving as well. But here you see that um, it says, So I turned to Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Then little afterwards, in verse 21, it continues, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the archangel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. I don't know about you, but there's many situations in my life I would love to have insight and understanding. And then here you see a case where Daniel, in prayer and fasting, God comes through by sending Daniel a message, letting him know that he will receive the insight and understanding that he needs. The third biblical reason 
fasting to be given favor from heaven up above. Does anyone want favor from God? Fasting to be given favor from heaven up above. Here, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, it says this. When I heard these things, because he was told about the condition of Jerusalem, how the walls were destroyed and the gates were set on fire. So he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So here you have Nehemiah who heard some terrible news. But all of a sudden he's in a situation where he has to go before the king of Persia and ask him for permission to go to Jerusalem and help rebuild the walls. But he was praying and fasting to God, and God saw his heart, and in that journey he asked the king, and the king granted him permission for him to follow what God had planned for him to do. But what did Nehemiah do first? He fasted and he prayed. Fasting to be given favor for heaven up above. Some of us, to, to have favor, we, we do so many other things. We worry so much about how we look or how we smell. We, we're like, oh, I put this perfume or cologne, I'll get favor from people or whatever it is. It's like here, favor comes from the hand of God. And if you're in a situation where you need God's favor, don't turn to anyone else, turn to God. Because when you turn to God in prayer and fasting from heaven up above, he could give you favor in whatever situation that you're in. And for some reason too, because sometimes people say, but what, what if it doesn't work out the way I want it to? When you put God first in your journey, if it doesn't work according to the way you envisioned it, you have to trust in his sovereignty. Because God is sovereign and he's involved in everything behind the scenes. But for each of us, we need to pursue God and desire his favor upon our lives. The fourth reason, fasting to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not so much about just having God living in you. It's not so much about just God filling your life, being full of the Holy Spirit, it's about God filling you li your life with his power to do the things that he's called you to do in your life. So many of us, we've settled saying, you know what? I've given my heart to God and God's presence lives within me and I'm good. You're missing out on the journey that God has for you because it continues, you could say, from level to level of where God would want to, want to take you to, but you, you have to be willing to submit everything to him, to surrender everything and not hold anything back and let God take you to the places he wants to take you. So it's not so much just about having God's presence in you. It's not so much about us experiencing God to fill us with his presence. It's about living in God's power. And when you live in God's power, that happens when we pray and fast as well. And the greatest example we have is with Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. We know that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And it says this, Jesus Full of the Holy Spirit, 
He was filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. So here you have Jesus. He was full of the Spirit. He just finished getting baptized. For 40 days he ate nothing. He was fasting for 40 days, and obviously we know the enemy was trying to tempt them during that time period because he was vulnerable. But then all of a sudden, after the 40 days, in Luke 4, 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So he came in after the baptism, being full of the Spirit, went through a 40-day time period of praying and fasting, staying close to God and overcoming the enemy. And then afterwards, he left being in the power of God's presence. So many times, we want to, be, to experience God's power. A lot of times, sometimes people say, you know what, Carlos? It's like, I just, I just want more. Do you really want more? Because to have more, so many times we, we also say, it's like, do you trust God? But a lot of times I like to ask, does God trust you? Because we want things from God that so many times we're not willing to pay the price to be in that journey. So does God trust you to have his power in your life? To be moving his power, his power being active in your daily life. So does God trust you? And in that journey, you have to decide, are you willing to, willing to go down that journey where you withhold nothing, let everything back, deny your flesh, whether it's 40 days, 21 days, whatever it is, but your life, your journey, letting all that stuff go and pursue God like never before to experience what God has for you. Don't settle where you're at. Because if you've settled, you've bought into one of the greatest lies the enemy could whisper in your ear. You will miss out on the destiny you have for, with God. Because let me tell you, your destiny is not a destination, it's a journey that you're on. And the moment you settle, you won't be in that journey that God really has for you. Because the journey that God wants to bring you in and through requires you to withhold nothing withhold nothing back, like to let everything, let, let everything go and chase them like never before. But so many times we're not willing to pay that price. So here, if you fasting to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you truly crave to have God's power active in your, uh, in your life, are you willing to pay the price as well to draw closer to God? The fifth biblical reason Fasting to receive direction in your calling. Do any of you right now feel like you need some type of direction in what God has for you to do? It's like, I know many times in my life I needed direction. It's like, for that, here you have an example. The early church, the first Christians in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 to 3, it says this. While they were worshiping the Lord and... What else they were doing? While they're worshiping the Lord and? Okay. 
the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here you have uh, a great example of the early church fasting and praying and God revealing them to them the direction that they wanted for these two individuals. And they prayed and sent them off in the calling that they had. So many times we're confused in the middle of a big decision that we have to make. And the last place we turn to is to God. Because many times in our own lives, we've neglected the fact that there's power in prayer. And we've neglected the fact that there's power in fasting. And when it's combined, when we seek after God with everything that we have, God moves. And he's able to do amazing, amazing things. The sixth biblical reason we, we see this. Fasting to humble ourselves in repentance. Jonah had pronounced judgment against the city of Nineveh, and the king covered himself with sackcloth and sat in dust. And I want you to see God's response. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. All of a sudden, when we want to humble ourselves before God, a way to do it is to fast. It's to fast and pray as, a, uh, as symbolic to God that we're humbling ourselves before him, asking for repentance. And every single person in this room, including myself, everybody, when we turn to God, we have to turn to him in repentance, asking him for forgiveness, for him to forgive us, to cleanse us, to take away the things that don't belong in our lives. But sometimes we don't know where to start. And this is a prime example of God moving when he saw um, here all of a sudden the people choosing to turn away from their evil ways and fast as well. The, here you have the seventh biblical reason, reason. Fasting to seek deliverance and protection. Fasting to seek deliverance and protection. I don't know if right now, this moment in your life, you need deliverance from something, or if you need to ask God for protection for something. But here you see an example with Ezra. We see Ezra declaring a corporate fast for a safe journey for the Israelites as they were going from Babylon to Jerusalem, a 900-mile trek. He turns to God and he asks for his protection. He says this in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. It says this. There, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and our possessions. If you scroll just two verses down to verse 23, it says this. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So here you see an example with fasting and prayer where God ends up coming and gives protection and delivers them from what could have happened in the journey that they had. And the eighth and final biblical reason I'm going to give you is this, 
fasting to assist in casting out demonic forces. And I'm sharing this so you could see fasting is powerful, and there's so many reasons to fast. But here we see a situation where the disciples are trying to cast out a demon, and they weren't able to. And Jesus responds to him and tells them why. Here in Matthew chapter 17, verse 18 to 21, it starts like this. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So here Jesus highlights a situation where there's demonic forces, someone being possessed, and the disciples trying to cast out the demonic forces out of the person's life. And it wasn't sufficient for them just to pray. And he also highlights their un unbelief. But Jesus highlights the fact that this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. The combination is powerful. And right now you might be sitting there, it's like demonic forces? What are you talking about, Carlos? Let me tell you something. The enemy is there to steal, steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your, your relationships. He wants to destroy your workplace. He wants to destroy every aspect of who you are. And the spiritual realm is as real as the physical realm that we're able to see and experience. And for us, you might be here and you just know that for some reason you feel like there's been demonic forces attacking you or tormenting you, whatever it may be. Let me tell you, that's a prime reason to pray and fast and seek God to deliver you so that you could cast out those forces from your life. Because God wants you to have victory in every single aspect of who you are in your life. So once again, I just want to highlight fasting is denying your flesh and expectantly pursuing God for a breakthrough. So when are we fasting? We're fasting, oi! No, no, I'm joking, joking. You're like, what? I was planning to eat some good McDonald's afterwards. No, no. We're starting our fast January 1st to December 21st, okay? Oh! Hey, that could have been prophetic. So just, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you guys didn't run out of the church right now. Let me tell you, this whole December, hey, why not? Let's do it the whole year. No, no, January 1st to January 21st. If you want to make it to December 21st next year, go for it, brother or sister. You know, we'll be, we'll be fasting and praying for you like one day a month or something like that while you do the whole year. Mm. But, um, but next year from January 1st to um, January 21st, I almost said it again, January 21st, for those 21 days, we're declaring a fast. We've been doing this for the last couple years. As a church, we're fasting together, okay? So 
So just want to let you know, what are we fasting? In the past, we've done the Daniel fast, um, and we've done a, a couple different variations of it. But this year, we're asking you for you to choose what you're going to decide to fast. It has to revolve around food. All the biblical fasts revolved around food, giving up something with food, and it has to be a sacrifice to you. I know I joked around before. It's like, yeah, I'm going to fast liver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast sardines. That might hurt, like, my wife's family because they're Portuguese. You know, like, sardines, they love sardines. Like, no, not sardines. But, you know, for some of you, you're good. You know, it has to be a sacrifice, okay, a sacrifice. And in addition for you to decide what food you're going to sacrifice, and give up for those 21 days. I want you also to give up anything that you feel as though feeds your flesh, okay? That you just know that it's a distraction in your life. Some of us might need to decide, it's like, you know what? For those 21 days, I'm not going to go on social media. Just because that is a huge distraction, once, as a foundation, we choose what food we're choosing to give up. But in addition to that, I want you to give up anything that's a distraction that you know that feeds your flesh, you could say. And it's really, like, in a sense, keeping you away from God. So you need to make that decision of what you're going to end up doing with that. Now, with that, it's not just for the purpose of fasting, like denying yourself. You need to pursue God in this. Because many times, like when we do a fast, like I hear people say, it's like, yeah, you know, I gave this up. I gave this food up or whatever. I gave this up. And I was like, did you spend time with God today? Oh, man, no, yo. I just, I forgot about that part. You know what I mean? Like, remember, prayer and fasting go hand in hand. Worshiping God goes hand in hand. So it's not just about giving up something. It's about adding something. Like I already, I've been talking to my wife and we've been trying to look at our schedules. And I even told her already, I want to schedule my hours, uh, my time where I would wake up an hour earlier from what I'm normally doing. I usually wake up around like 6, 6.15. So I want to wake up around 5. 5.15, just to add extra time in spending time with God, praying, fasting, reading, and just listening from God. Is it a sacrifice to wake up at 5? For some of you, it isn't because you wake up at 5 all the time, whatever it is. For me, it is. You know, to, I go to bed late to wake up at 5. You know, it's a little tough. So, so, so for me, that's a sacrifice as well. But you need to decide what you're going to do to add more time with God. Like maybe for you, you're at work, and during the fast, you might decide to go out to your car during your lunch break and take out your Bible and spend time with God during your lunch break. You need to decide, but you need to add more time with God. And I would recommend minimally 30 minutes a day, minimum. Like if you could do more than that, great, but you want to spend that time with God during the fast as well. So on your way out, before you leave today, there's going to be a devotional that everyone's going to receive. And it's for all 365 days of the fast of next year. No, no, I'm joking. 21, 21 days. I was testing you. Make sure uh, you guys weren't sleeping. All right, 21 days. And in each day, it has a theme for the day, a key verse, reflection questions, and prayer for the day. And then in the back, 
and this is something that I want you to do, there's prayer targets. Before you even start the fast, I want you to determine what you're going to be specifically praying for. And then in the end, you'll see in the bottom part of the devotional is a, a, a space for you to write your testimony. What God did during those 21 days. Because remember what I said, when you fast, fasting is denying your flesh and expectantly pursuing God for a breakthrough. So you're expecting God to move in these areas. And you'll see a, a line for your family, for your, your own personal life, your family, your friends, your church, your job, your city, your country. So you end up seeing and you're able to write something there. So it's going to be very targeted on what we're praying. Now, two more things for us to remember, too, the, during these 21 days, is that on Saturday, January 26th, no, Sunday, I'm getting all these dates wrong, Sunday, January 26th, okay, okay, I got that right, Sunday, January 26th, there we're going to have a baptism during service. So when we finish the fast on the 21st, that's going to be on a Tuesday, then the next following uh, Sunday, we're going to do a baptism here during service. So if you're here and you've never been baptized and you know that you're serious about this new year, giving your life to God and pursuing him like never before, that is something that you should do to proclaim your commitment to God and declare it to everyone publicly. So that's going to be Sunday, January 26th. And the last day, I'm going to get it right, Tuesday, January 21st. That's the official day of the end of the fast. It's not the Sunday before the 21st. It's Tuesday, January 21st. On that day, on that day, we're going to have a, a, a time period in our church where we're going to open our church for three hours from six to nine. You could be here the full three hours if you want, or you could be here the last hour, whatever you're able to do. But for three hours, we're going to open the church. We're going to open the sanctuary, have worship playing in the background. We're going to have certain things for you to be able to do as well. But the goal with that time period is for you to be able to spend time one-on-one -on -one with God in the midst with your other believers. So you'll be here spending that time with God in this sanctuary, to, spending time with God for three hours. Now, let me tell you something. You, I remember years back, some of you might remember this, in our church we had navigators. And that was pretty much a curriculum that we would take and we would grow and it was like three or four years we we're part of that training you could say in the last book of that training part of it we we were placed in a room by ourselves for three hours and pretty much there all you had your bible and a notepad so you could take notes of what god reveals to you and they'll close the door on you and be like spend time with god and some of you might be sitting here be like, three hours? I can't spend three minutes talking to God. I, my mind drifts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, three hours. I have to say, the first 30 minutes was a little tough. Like, and it's, you would think the first 30 was going to be easy. It was actually tough. I was like, all right, guys. Uh, not guys. I was by myself. All right, God. Uh, what am I going to do? And let me tell you, once I started worshiping, once I started praying, once I started reading the Bible, once I started listening to God, that time flew. 
And I'll never forget those three hours I just closed off the world and I just spent it with God. We feel as though we can't do it, mainly because we've never tried. We've never put God to that place, maybe, where we decide, it's like, you know what, God? I'm going to silence the world and amplify you. And I want to be in your presence. And honestly, even being there, it's like, God, I don't want to leave until I hear you. I don't want to leave until I hear your voice. So on that night, we're going to be here from 6 to 9. I wish that we had enough rooms in this building that could throw you in a room and close it for three hours. He was like, don't come out until you hear from God. You know, um, so we're like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I wish I had enough rooms in the church here that we could do it. We can't. But we'll be here. And it won't be a time of talking to one another. It won't be a time of fellowshipping. It'll be a quiet time with God. So Tuesday, January 21st, here from 6 to 9, and the following Sunday will be our baptism. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, it says this. Jesus said this, When you fast, and I know Pastor Loretta even mentioned it when she came up here during um, tithing. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. It's like the expectation is there that every Christian and true believer of God spends time fasting and has it incorporated within his in their lives. Jesus said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. So here Jesus was highlighting, don't do fasting for the wrong motivations. Don't do it to lose the chichos. Don't do it just for, to get attention from other people. No, no, no. Don't be doing it for all those other reasons you could do it. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Then Jesus says, truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Jesus was saying, you know what? Their reward is their friend saying, oh, great. Oh, you're so holy. You fast. You're, you know, you're doing great things. Like, that's their reward in full. And let me tell you something. I don't want the applause of men. I want the applause from heaven. That God is looking down and he, God is applauding down. So it says this in verse 17, Jesus saying, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Like in a sense, like of course, putting oil on your head was a tradition back then. Some of you are going to get some olive oil. You're going to pour the bucket on your head. Don't, don't be doing that. You're going you're gonna to look a little weird. Um, but put oil on your head and wash your face so that it, is, it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But listen to what Jesus says now. But only to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what's done in secret. Now, obviously, this is a corporate fast. We're doing this as a church together. And then he says this, the last three words, it says, will reward you. Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So God is looking to reward you for putting him first and withholding nothing. 
And I don't know about you, I mentioned a lot of reasons. Victory over your enemies, receiving insight and understanding, having favor from heaven up above, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to have direction in your calling, to humble ourselves in repentance, to have deliverance and protection, and to cast out demonic influences out of our lives. I mentioned a lot of different reasons why to fast. But I wonder if we're willing to follow and pursue God in that way. If everyone could bow their heads at this time. Remember, to choose to fast and pray and to worship and to give God and put him in the central place in your life, it requires sacrifice. It requires you to decide. It's like, you know what? I'm going to deny my flesh. My flesh doesn't want to spend more time with God. My flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. My flesh doesn't want to worship God. My flesh just wants to feed itself and just do the very things that are contrary to what God wants. But are we willing to deny our flesh? And to chase after God like never before. In the beginning of the service, I asked, it's like, where are you today compared to last year, December 2018? If you're in the very same place, or maybe in a worse place when it comes to your relationship with God, you need to choose to chase after him like never before. I also said during the message, how different would your life would have been this past year? If God was at the center and you were praying and fasting, that was incorporated in your life and just chasing after God like never before. But it's a sacrifice. Are you willing to lay everything down? Are you willing to lay down the sins that are holding you back? Are you willing to lay down the relationships that you know you shouldn't have? Are you willing to lay down the things that you've been chasing after that you've placed before God? Maybe it's your career. You made your career come before God. Maybe it's a relationship. You put the relationship before God. Maybe it's your children. As much as there are treasure and blessing from God, your own children have distracted you from where you need to be with God. Maybe it's the friends you're hanging out with that you know your friends are leading you in a wrong path and they're holding you back of what God has, you need to withhold nothing and even lay your friends down. What is holding you back? Are you chasing after money, thinking that money is what's going to solve everything? Let me tell you something. What's going to solve things is when you choose to get on your knees and put God first. When you choose to get on your knees and fast and pray, God will be fighting the enemies you don't even see. The enemies that are trying to attack you, coming from the the hill around, that you don't even get to see. The moment you get on your knees, God is setting up ambushes against your own enemies. In, in, In your own life at this moment, there might be things that you need deliverance from. 
You know that these things are holding you back, but these things really come free from your life when you choose to chase after God and put him first above everything and doing this through prayer and fasting. Some of us here, we need to pray and fast for protection and deliverance over our families. The enemy wants to destroy your children. The enemy wants to destroy your marriages. The enemy wants to destroy your relationships. But for each of us, if we're children of God, we already know that we have a champion that goes before us. And he's given us authority to walk in. But we need to choose to chase after him and not to hold anything from him. So right now, as we are about to end the service, the last Sunday service of the decade, as we enter into a new year, as we enter into a new decade, if you're here and you know you're not satisfied where you're at with your walk with God, and if you know that your life right now might be falling apart in a billion pieces, but you know that you want your heart, mind, soul, and body to be crying out, I need you, Lord. You need to decide to hold, leave everything back. Leave everything behind in 2019. Leave everything behind in this decade. And for next year in this new decade, for you, your life, your heart, mind, soul, and body, to be completely dedicated to God. So if you don't want to hold anything back and you're going to withhold nothing and you want to make the commitment before God and before all of us even now that you're committing to this fast, the 21 days, and also you're going to be committing to put him first like never before, I want you to come forward and fill this altar. But don't do it for anyone else. Don't do it for, because someone might be sitting next to you that you know that might want you to. You need to make this commitment for yourself. You know where you are in your walk with God. If you're far from God, you need to come to him. God says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. So many times we want God to come close to us. And God through scripture says, no, you come close to me first. Draw close to me and I'll come close to you. And no one here could deny God's love because he loved us first, even when we were all sinners. And he died on the cross. So come. Don't stay in 2019 in the same place where you are now. Don't go into 2020 in the same place that you are today. So come forward. And even while you're here, Pastor Harold's going to lead you in song. But as you're worshiping, I want you through your heart, truly do what you're saying. It's not just saying and singing the worship song. Let it be a prayer in your heart.